Thank you for coming, for attending this Dharma talk. Thank you for all of your help in supporting this community, both by attending, by practicing, and by financially supporting us. We need your help. Please continue if you can. This evening's Dharma talk should be interesting. I've never uh, given this talk before. Uh, and it's, uh, it comes from something that uh, my preceptor, Shoho, Mike Newhall, whom I met in 1963 at the Art Institute of Chicago. He also is the one who ordained me in the Soto lineage. <laughs> he was asking Kategori Roshi, who's now passed, uh, passed away, one of the teachers that was invited over here from uh, Japan to help uh, Suzuki Roshi uh, plant the Buddhist teachings in this country. So he came along with uh, Kobanjina Roshi, my Zen master. And <laughs> I remember, uh, vividly, I remember uh, uh, Shoho Mike saying, I asked, I asked Katagiri, or Roshi probably said, I asked, asked him, but he was having all these difficulties with some kind of anxiety thing was going on. And <laughs> I don't know if it was in Dokasan or formal interview or what it was, but probably. And Katagiri said, don't think about it. And I remember I just got really mad at that. And I, I wanted to say to him, well, of course I didn't, I wasn't there and that was passed on to me through Shoho. But I, I thought, have you ever meditated before? <laughs> so I probably meditated for ooh, my, maybe a year at that point. I knew you could not stop your thoughts. But it, it, it's never, I've always thought, often thought about that. He was a serious uh, teacher and uh, I've, uh, I now understand, it's taken a long time, I understand what that was about. And I don't know if he helped uh, Mike at all, or Shoho at all. I don't remember that part, if he did. But uh, he was perplexed by it also because he was having a lot of anxiety. But I can talk to you about that. That's why I'm using that. I can say, you can't stop your thoughts. You can't stop them. Other teachers may tell you otherwise, and if they do, then fine, and maybe they, you should talk to them if you want to stop your thoughts. You don't have to stop, but you do have to relate to them uh, clearly and sanely. One of the ways that will help you do that is a teaching that I've been doing or giving to people for a long time. I first started giving this, uh, besides doing this myself, uh, I first started doing this as a form, a regular form, when I was going uh, and with other people, Unyo, Chezan, other people into prisons to teach inmates who are in a, in a kind of a, 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 well, it's not kind of, it's a hell realm, terrible place. And I'm not saying that some areas might not be better than others, but generally not a good place to um, put uh, human beings, no matter what they've done. So uh, I would teach that alternating sense awareness practice. So what I'm saying here is when, when thoughts arise, rather than try to put them down or try to create more thoughts around the thoughts that deal with the thoughts that reflect the attitude of, I got to figure this out. I have to think about this more. I have to analyze it. I have to see what caused it. Where, where's this coming from? Why, why all of the questions that create all kinds of circles and makes us make, and makes us just feel more confused, more frustrated and so on. So alternating sense awareness practice is what this is addressing is your thoughts. Maybe you're, you're thinking about a particular issue with your 
relationships or your workplace or your coworkers, your whatever your country for that matter. And it's keep pondering that and thinking about it. The idea there is not so much to stop the thinking. I was taught to label thoughts and return to the out-breath. This is a standard shamatha, vipassana, shini and laktong from the Tibetan tradition. Not, not against that. I think that maybe that's what you should do. You could. But I, my understanding and what has fundamentally helped me is to include, not try to label this and move to that and try to create some kind of a, a thoughtless meditator. Well, you could do that for a while, see what you think. No pun intended there. Yeah. Okay. Um, so simply put, it would just be you're sitting and you notice that your mind is turning things up and settling and then coming back and spinning this way and that way and you're feeling agitated. You could actually include one of the five sense fields. I recommend the sense of touch how this feels and you could move from that you could just flash on that don't maintain it and then flash on the sense of seeing if you're looking at a wall just the texture of the wall just just observe it and then don't maintain it if it stays there it'll do it on its own you continue to look but it could just slide away and the thoughts may come in around it next to it but you'll notice that the thoughts since you are inviting like you your thoughts are there have kind of barged into your mind these other aspects of the mind, these other aspects of consciousness that we call the five sense consciousnesses, uh, you're inviting those into, you're including those, you're just here with uh, the thinking process, or the, the, uh, the, those five sense fields, which are uh, generally right in the, what we refer to as right now, the present moment, you're just feeling, you're just seeing uh, a, a white wall or a, or a, or a gray uh, closet door. You wouldn't even name it. You just feel the grayness or look at the grayness, feel your gravity pulling you down towards your chair, your cushion, your zafu, your um, zabutan, your gamden, whatever you're sitting on, your seza bench, or just the floor. Well, include that. So that way it's not so much uh, that you, you stop thinking uh, or that you can actually accomplish don't thinking, uh, don't think, but you, we kind of want that. So what I'm saying, you can have a degree of, maybe you could say diluting or including other parts of consciousness. So the whole thing isn't just one inc incredible vice grip of thinking, 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 thinking. So you're not doing away with that. You're not getting rid of the thinking process, but you're, you're including something with it. So you're receiving thoughts. You're watching the thoughts come and go. Uh, I don't teach label thinking and then leave that for some something like the breathing. Well, that's very traditional. It goes way, way back. But it's uh, I just don't teach it. So you can do it if you want. And I also practiced it for several decades. So I'm uh, so I have a little bit of maybe uh, understanding of what it is. And then you can alternate your sitting, how this feels. You could ask yourself the question, how does this feel? Or you could just feel. You could see colors, textures in front of you, the wall, the, as I said, the closet door, 
You could hear traffic out on the street. You could just flash on that. So it's it's kind of like a touch and go, but you don't have to deli- deliberately go. Just flash on it, and if it hangs around, fine. If it fades out, then excuse me, it might just it might just fade out, or you might go to uh, how how your saliva tastes. Something very simple for a director. You just include that. The five sense consciousnesses don't particularly think, whereas the mind stream will will take charge of all those and be the person who's thinking and the person who's feeling and the person who's tasting, touching, smelling, hearing, seeing, me, me, me in my world, my stuff, and that stuff's over there and I'm over here. All the imputation that arises in the thought, uh, in the area of the thinking process, it's like this, gripping, tightening down, fixating. Have to see that. You cannot make it do this. You have to see that it's closed. I'll say it again. Can't open this up because if you do uh, open it up, the idea that you're opening up is uh, those are thoughts. That's not consciousness does not think. Uh, It does not think. It just receives. It just receives everything is there. It's the illusion that we're thinking. That's probably why Category Roshi said. What did he say? Don't don't think about it. That was very frustrating to hear, especially to someone like Joe and I had been meditating about the same length of time. We had met eight or eight or nine years earlier uh, at art school, as I said. So the other thing I would say is don't don't look for success. Don't apply this. Uh, alternating sense awareness practice in order to don't apply it so that you can suddenly become a person who's just aware or doesn't thought, doesn't have thoughts, who's not bothered by anything, some kind of attainment notion going on. If that may happen, it may come up, but it will not last. How do I know? I don't know. Maybe, maybe for you it'll last. Don't think about it. So how much control do we have over our thoughts? If you're instructed, don't think about it. Very little. Because everything that shows up is produced, including this sound. These words right now are dependently arisen. This obvious form, if you ask me a question, I respond. But if you ask me a question, I, I don't really respond to the question. I respond in a way that is seems indirect or seems like I might not even be listening to you. So then I might be responding to what I see in front of me, which is confusion. And if, if you happen to have asked this person to function as your teacher, then that teacher, if, if in fact, and in fiction, if they, if they see who they are, if they see what this is, it's not a series of thoughts about it. It's not an analysis. It's not a conclusion. Other than you, if you're going to conclude anything, it would be that you see there isn't anything else. It's the great illusion that you're here and everything else is over there. So that response could be, yes, I'm going to the store. Can I pick something up for you? If it's like, are you going to the store? It's a very simple relationship dynamic. 
Yes. On your mind. So does consciousness delineate thinking? Like what do you if mean you by it? Well, to go to the store, you're driving, you have to know how to drive. So does the thinking mm -hmm. process then take over when it's... Well, it certainly has a say-so in the whole thing as far as being part of dependent origination. But the illusion there is not... Uh, is, the illusion is that there's a thinker, there's a there's personhood there, there's someone there. And so that's what we try to promote, try to protect. More? You just said if you, you might give an answer that may seem not to answer the question, but what you, you're looking at, what's right in front of you, and that may be confusion. Yes. What does confusion look like? Looks like uh, it can show up different ways, but it shows up as a kind of uh, form of energy that's pulling, pushing, shutting down, passion, aggression, and ignorance, and disturbing the consciousness with its own agenda or ideas or grasping. or And it will use relative truth to back up. We'll say, well, this happened. I had to do this because look what she said. Or I had to do this because this and this and this and this. We'll pick it out. We'll actually choose. And we'll. it's like you're in the middle of a play, writing the play at the same time and believing it, even though you're the one who is producing the whole thing. You're, you're the director, the producer, and everything seems very real and we it, we it can cause us to go to war with with something that is not even a threat to us it may feel like a threat or yes when you're bowing so when you as my teacher are observing that confusion that is arising over here what and you said it's a type of energy well yes reaching for the glass and your energy is coming through your consciousness vocal cords and you're using the language we have in common what do you want to know so as our teacher what do you do with that confusion that is showing up if i have permission which i it's kind of hot and cold sometimes but if i have permission then i will try to point that out to you that what you're believing in and you think is real is an illusion. I might literally say that, but quite often, if someone's really doubled down on the illusion, it's not going to help to say you're deluding yourself necessarily. I mean, it could. More? Yes, sir. You've talked to me before about an ability to like lock down on an idea or block things yes. out, but it also doesn't feel like something I'm doing. So I'm wondering what that change in the mind stream is if it's not choice. It's just uh, the way I'm understanding the question. It's just a, a knee jerk kind of, I can't do that. But we don't really have a necessarily have a, a, a thought pattern going towards that activity. But right after we do it, then we might back it up with all kinds of thoughts about why we did that or well, I had to do that. So we, we will not give up on the idea that there's somebody there who has a say-so or somebody there who doesn't seem to have a say-so. Any position, success is a position, failure is a position, 
anywhere in between that uh, can be described is a position. It's a, mis <clears throat> a misunderstanding and it is often described as, as a uh, mistaken identity, thinking there's someone here and there's some someone else or there's some other part of the, the dynamic that is out there. It's called duality. Needs to be seen. Excuse me, not believed, not disbelieved, nothing done with it at all. It's the, any instruction that comes from this direction is about helping you to see something that can't really be pointed out directly. So I may point in all kinds of directions. I may jump up and down. I may yell. Some of you have been yelled at. Probably won't stop until this falls over and doesn't get back up. But the motivation for doing that is to fundamentally help you see your true nature because all of us are going to be going down if noticed. This comes to an end. This, this consciousness that has been downloaded in this human form has a short duration. And it goes by very fast. And there's no guarantee you can do this again that you'd even want to do this again. But it doesn't matter if you want to or don't want to. There's no one here that comes back. That's why it's even to say that it's your past lives or future lives. It looks like that, but even that is an illusion. And no, I have no proof for that. If you see what this is, you won't need proof for anything. You'll no longer make decisions because you'll just you just know what you need to do next if there is a next. More about it if you have it. Let's go. Further questions? Sano. Sano Bowen. I might describe the spaciousness that we experience as like, it's okay. But somehow it's okay seems too simple. Can you say more about that? So what was the first part? You said you might say it's okay for something. The spaciousness that we have here at the monastery. Yes. I might just say things are okay here. Yes. If something's going wrong, it seems okay. But it's okay also seems too simple. Is there a teaching there? Well, if I'm following what you're saying, or what you're asking about, I would say it won't last. That, that it's the, the terrain uh, in each individual mind is is a quite is quite a bit of contrast from one person to the next in, in terms of what is happening. Just like you can't promote this particular teaching, it's not a good idea to promote Buddhism or or meditation to anyone unless they ask you, and then kind of on the hook, and you might have to tell them about it. But because if you if you seduce someone or get someone to meditate because you need company, then they start to make you responsible for their experience. And if you're, if you are, if they're doing that, then uh, it would be very good if you're actually a Dharma teacher, that way you can work with that. But if you're not, it might be very difficult to be dealing with someone, someone else's uh, idea about who you are. Nothing lasts. Nothing has any kind of 
dependable continuity to it. Like I intended to come in here and set, didn't work. I had to get up and go somewhere else. Go ahead. Are thinking and awareness a polarity? They can be polarized, but the, if you don't do anything with the thoughts, and the, the thoughts are a traditional way of talking about it, is they're self-liberated. They don't, they don't have any. They just come up because they are dependently risen. You don't actually think. You, you think you think, but I like to say it this way. I don't think so. Because it's kind of funny, a little bit. So you're not, it's not about stopping thinking, controlling. It's about being really radically, radically mean radix, the root of it, the deepest you can get into something down at the root. And that's where the awareness is if you're just observing the thoughts. When you sit down and hold still, observe the thoughts that are rising in your mind stream. You might have several layers of past and future, right and wrong, up and down, back and forth, should be, shouldn't be, life and death on and on to actually look at in chicken taza before they start to just come apart and you finally are at the basis, sometimes called the alaya vijnana or vijnana or the alaya or the storehouse consciousness. You, the, the consciousness that is swamped by this and that and should be and shouldn't be and thinking this, thinking that, and I don't know what they think about this, but what do they think about what I'm thinking about, what they're thinking about? Do they actually agree with me? Or don't they? Why don't they agree on what I'm saying is so clear? And, I, and I've been setting this with uh, whomever for years. Awakening is, has been characterizing characterized as a turning about at the basis of consciousness, or at, at the at the alia. And sometimes it's talked about different ways, lots of different ways, where people try to help someone else who's working with this whole meditation practice according to the teachings of the Buddha's Dharma, the awakened truth in different ways. So you may hear it different from different teachers. You may hear the truth from one teacher, but you can't receive it from, from him or her because something about the chemistry just isn't there for you. Yes, sir. Is, is the teaching of don't think about it similar to your teaching of don't forget gravity? Um, you could say that. I also say, don't do anything unless you have to, which is just seeing that you're doing a whole lot of things you don't have to do. Plugging up holes and where there are no holes. More? I don't know. How do we find clarity about our thinking? You look at the cloudiness of it. You actually look at the, whatever it is, smoke and mirrors or whatever, whatever. You just look at that rather than try to stop it. Look at that rather than try to explain it or elevate it or make excuses for it or find out the cause of why you're spinning in circles. You just look at the circularity. You don't agree with it. You don't disagree with it. And you certainly don't ignore it. Passion, aggression, and anger. Those are the three poisons. And so you... If you if you if you see clarity, if you think you see clarity, then that's just more confusion. If you if you're clear, then you're looking at confusion, and you're not separating it from the clarity. This is what the Buddha saw. How do I know I wasn't there? I didn't check in with the Buddha. But these teachings, what I which I've been working on for a while, with the help of Dharma teachers, two of them, 
specifically, and other ones uh, in a wider area. Is the confusion the separation that we? It's grasping at the confusion, trying to get rid of it. It's grasping at the confusion. Uh, that's the aggression. And grasping at the confusion, trying to blame somebody for it. Or blame yourself, blame your parents, or blame the way you act, or blame your, uh, be ashamed of yourself. You can't just control yourself and not have whatever sad thoughts or temper tantrums or anything, just whatever it may show up. All of that is reinforcing the illusion that there's a solid being aligned with this body mind. This this is a uh, is here. It's relatively here, but who you are actually uh, has not appeared. Just the body appears, and it makes use of that part of the uh, mind stream we call thoughts, feelings, emotions, the five skandhas, form, feeling, perception, concept, consciousness, and so on. A way of describing something that is shaped differently depending on, excuse me, what the alignment is with that particular life or lifetime more. You're, you're looking, the Buddha saw, the Buddha's awakening was to see confusion all the way down to the basis, to see it and do nothing with it, to see that he was not separate from anything anywhere. This is, you finally returned home after going in circles, lifetime after lifetime, you finally saw this. And you could say you returned home, but nothing really occurred, yes. When you're bowing, is seeing confusion, then not naming? Bowing. Well, there's a, a slogan, I think it's number 14 in Natisha's Seven Points of Mind Training, to say seeing confusion, to use what you, as the four kayas or the the dharmakaya, the sambhogakaya, the nirmanakaya, and the svabhavikakaya uh, is the supreme shunyata protection. So pretty fancy concepts that Tisha was pretty good at making up stuff like that. So it's just a way to lead you into breaking things down further in a, an abstract way that say there's the ultimate truth, dharmakaya, and there's the the intermediate area, which sometimes call, is called the body of bliss, which is not about a feeling. And then there's the nirmanakaya, or the body of this physical form, generally referring to the Buddha, but you are not separate from the Buddha, so it's talking about you. Body, uh, the intermediate uh, state, and the complete uh, dharmakaya, the body of truth, to see that all, of the, all three of those are not separate from each other, there's just this. This is called a slabhavikakaya. Just a way of talking about consciousness using really strong conceptual ways or pointers. But to come back to your question, what was it? Vinyabhain is, you said the Buddha awoke to confusion. He saw yes. confusion all yes. the way down. He did. And to see confusion, but not divided up into is this clarity or confusion he didn't do anything with it other than just receive it just whatever was there in terms of a buddha there was no personhood there 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 was just consciousness only there was a there was a living form there was a buddha as far as we know but 
it's it's about awareness, not about some kind of collection of concepts or ideas or definitions of how this all works, even though you, we might have to run through a lot of those gauntlets before we can get to a fundamental seeing of what perception only, like it says in the banner, just perception only, not what you're perceiving, not an identity, not no the subjectivity is unreal, the objectivity is unreal, and the perception only is questionable. But that's what it finally comes to just the perception. And you've always, so then are you just silent? No, you might talk more than ever, but you're you but you are dependent origination. You're, there's still a human form. You're 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 relating to and working with everything just as it shows up, rather than with your own personal agenda about what you like, what you don't like, who's really nice to you, and who's giving you a hard time, who doesn't understand you. It's just we have a constant. Uh, not everyone, but quite often there's a constant um, churning up of ideas and stage plays and. And who did this and who said that? When did they say that? And what did they mean when they said we just we look at whys and wherefores constantly trying to reify, establish, reinforce the illusion of what? A separate being who's doing well, a separate being who's failing, a separate being who's not particularly taking any position at all. All of those are relative. Yes. So in regards to those thoughts that get churned up, yes. uh, a little bit ago you said that we we don't create those thoughts and they are self-liberated, the thoughts arise. So is there some bubbling up of these thoughts that are just waiting to escape through this body-mind consciousness? Yes, if you don't do anything with it. Don't stop it. Don't start it. Don't agree. Don't disagree. Take no position. As it says in the uh, sutras, one of the, th the phrases in there, I think it's in uh, um, the sense in main, picking and choosing are the disease of the mind. So picking this over that, evaluating, judging. It's not that that doesn't work. If you're at the fruit stand and you're looking and you're picking out pears, that you aren't going to pick out pears that look pretty good instead of pears that have big brown spots on them. You can actually apply exactly the same approach to veneers, but only because they're both yellow. Sanho, this better be good. Sanho, did you and you pick each other like pears? Yes. Can you say more? I can. I tried to pick Unyo, but she was in a tree that kept running around in circles, and that really confused me and it frightened me. And so I thought, uh, I'm not doing this. I'm I'm out of here. I'm, and so I I left her house and never never went back. Remember that? There's more to that story, but I'd rather talk about it that way rather than be specific. That was in 1993. So yes, but she wouldn't have any part of, of my interest in pairs. Can you agree with that? Do you have a further question, Zeb? Go ahead. Humans are confused. Cats and dogs seem to be confused too. Horses seem confused. Yes. Sheep are really confused. Yes. Why? I don't know. 
What is it? Yeah. Good one. What is it? Instead of why is it? That we're also confused. So it's hard to find the, the source uh, of the situation, but it's because we hear the teaching of the Buddha, which I'm just repeating, is uh, is a life is suffering. We have nerve endings, and they're they're sensitive, not only in the in the five sense fields, but in the mind itself is very sensitive. This is part of the the way intelligence works is to work with the illusion of polarity. It doesn't doesn't uh, necessarily believe it or reject it or do anything with it, but it, it, it can work with that. As it says in the Zen tradition, one of the famous ones is before awakening and before enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. After enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. What is this teaching pointing at? Nothing happens. If you're looking as a meditator, looking for something to happen, circle after circle after circle. Nothing happens, no occurrence. I could not sit up here and talk if I had so somehow attained something. More? Other questions? Yes. When you're bowing, are thoughts karma? There are things flying through space. That that kind of space in the mind, their thoughts are rising and dying down, being triggered by this. I say this, just like the thoughts that are rising and showing up as uh, my vocal cords, concepts showing up that uh, where I'm endeavoring to respond to what it is that your inquiry is about. So what do you really want to know? I'm trying to look at dependent origination with karma yes. and thoughts. So if there's no person here, then how do those thoughts even get born? What, what do you want to, I, mean, I don't know if I can pull forth on that, how to, there, the thoughts are an aspect of consciousness. You could say that consciousness is open dimension is basically unreceived, but sometimes something needs to be produced. Otherwise you can't, you can't go from here to there. You, some kind of uh, thinking is necessary. But what happens if we start to get frightened or hurt or try to get away from the difficulty of having nerve endings and having uh, different kinds of suffering come our way from other, possibly other people who are upset or want to control us because it gives them, it allows them to cover up their suffering because they have a bunch of slaves so they can get them to do things. So... What was the question again? Well, I'm also caught on the, the, the idea of the self-liberated. You said uh, earlier. Um, no self. Self-liberated because there's no nothing there. There's no one there. It's an, an illusion that deludes us because we think that some things are true and some things are not. We think some things are real. Some We, we divide things up in different ways and we grasp at this and reject that tell ourselves stories. We have a story about ourselves, and then we tell our story to the story. We've talked about this quite a bit. The, the first story that comes up, just receive that. Whatever comes up, just receive it. Doesn't uh, tr True or untrue is not as important as receive it. If it shows up in your mind, you've heard me say this hundreds of times, but I've said it once, anything that shows up in your mind or your life, 
you have it coming. I don't mean that you're to blame for it. I'm saying the dependent origination that shows up is you going out to your car in a parking lot or driving down the road or going to a, a new job or starting a new relationship with someone. These are, these are dependently arisen. There, there is no nothing happening there that is has fundamentally any kind of gravitas or reality. It's an illusion. You, you may have to actually die before you'll realize that. And when you die, you realize your, your consciousness didn't go away, but there's your body on the floor. Don't believe anything I say. You could consider it. You think, Sokazan said this or this or this. Consider it a little bit. Don't believe it. It's very disrupt, dis disrespectful to believe anything. Respect this. Respect the confusion in the world. Respect the confusion in your mind stream. Do not fix things. Do not repair things. Observe, observe, transcend this world while you're still walking across the linoleum. What what is it about our own thoughts that we take so seriously? They seem so real. If you're having a, a thought, somebody said this or did that, and along with that goes some resentment or some feeling like you're being held responsible for something or blamed or any number of things. There can be emotions or incredibly intense that have no story behind them at all. Somebody, someone just recently, I might want to mention their name, has talked about having, excuse me, intense emotions not have no idea where they're coming from. There doesn't seem to be any causation, no one to blame. The downside of this is that's difficult. And quite often a person, instead of continuing to meditate, has a person that has a mentor, a guide, a guru, a teacher, a roshi or whatever, or has just someone who sees what this is and is willing to help you. If you don't have that, you could end up going and getting help from situations that make things a lot worse, not just for this lifetime, but on and on and on. There are situations where people are trying to sell their help to you to convince you that you need to do what they think you should do. And you need to take this medication or this kind of drug or this kind of that. And should you? Maybe you should. If the dependent origination in your particular life and your mind is powerful, you might not have the kind of autonomy that it takes to just sit down and look at this. If you jump to conclusions about anything with a powerful, a powerhouse of emotion behind it, it's going to be very difficult to uh, not continue to spin, go in circles, lifetime after lifetime. Does it sound like a threat? It's not particularly a threat. Nothing actually occurs. Sano. Sano, why do some people seem to just naturally not go in circles? Well, they're really nice, and they and they uh, and somebody's drawn drawn a line somewhere, and they just follow that line. So I'm being stupid or silly here. I'm just saying the karma that brought you into this life, the causes and conditions, not some kind of a some kind of a um, a debt you have to pay necessarily. Although it can show up like that, it's just whatever occurs. Don't add to it. Don't comment on your commentary. Don't add in that way any karma. I say this over and over again, and I, 
I will say it right now. Don't miss your life. Don't miss your life by taking what is arising in your life and trying to fix it or correct it or take it in another direction. Do it with your awareness. See what your life is. And I'm very biased here. Sit down and hold still and watch the life. Watch the foundation part of your life. The, go down through the consciousnesses into the seventh consciousness of the Klesha mind, the confused mind, the paranoid mind, and go right on past that into what's called uh, traditionally in the Yogacara tradition, the, the Aliyah, the storehouse. You just go there and just look. You won't even know you're, if you know you're in that, then you're probably working with, with concepts. You need to, to not know what that is. It's that kind of knowing, a knowing that has no position, it has no knower, and it has nothing that is known. Don't believe anything. When I'm saying don't listen and believe, not that you would. I don't know, I don't know everybody really well, but I don't see anybody who's going to have any trouble with that. Just have a willingness to not know what is happening. That way you won't miss anything because the, the singularity, the focus that is based on control uh, starts to come apart. As Coben said, translating the Heart Sutra mantra, falling apart, falling apart, falling apart. Nothing to do. Everything all at once. Sir? Joe Bowing is trying to have a sense of humor or lighten up our seriousness, a way of um, believing in our thoughts still. I don't think so. Just trying to lighten up isn't such a bad move, especially if you've been tightening down for most of your life. Is that best done by sitting meditation? I feel that sitting meditation, if you do enough of it, do and do it every day or every few days at least, and Spend a lot of time holding still and watching what continues to move. Simple way that I teach it. And I that comes from doing this and looking at it. Then there is a possibility. There's no guarantee. Excuse me. But there is a possibility you will begin to see that this is, excuse me, an unreal. That it is an, an illusion that we are deluded by into thinking that our thoughts are real, our emotions are real, that these are all that we need to do something about it. We need to stop this and start that, or we need to shift gears over here. Don't do anything. Less is better. And that way, what you do end up doing probably has some, uh, has some weight behind it as far as something you should be doing. And I include, don't, uh, those of you who, have, uh, who are here in the monastery, uh, if you think back, no one, talked you into becoming a monk or receiving precepts. I might have even tried to talk you out of it by saying, don't do this unless you have to do it. So, Grand, what does the thought look like that's falling apart? Falling. Uh, it could look well, quite funny. It could, you could, because you could see that you're grasping at something, but when you look closely at it, it just kind of falls apart. It's like kind of kind of like confetti or something. It was a piece of colored paper and it just falls apart. So it could be humorous and it could be depending on the consciousness and the and the dynamics that are happening in any given consciousness, passion, aggression, ignorance, hope, and fear, and all of the 
the schema that shows shows up as separations. Uh, if you're biting down on some of that, if you're part of it's falling apart and you're trying to keep something from falling apart because of fear, then uh, it could be terribly painful and, and scary, frustrating, and bring up all kinds of emotions that are difficult. More about it if you have it. So, Grand Valley, could you use the falling apart in the negative, being born, being born, constantly arising, bowing? Probably. If you if you think that the falling apart, something is happening, then that's the way you get hooked by it. But if you just see that it's falling apart, that what you thought was real is just falling apart. So the way I understand what Coben was referring to there when he when he talked about uh, uh, gone, gone, gone beyond, gone completely beyond, awake, so be it, or gate, uh, gate, paragate, parasangate, bodhisattva. He's he's saying that that his how that shows up for him is just everything that he thought was solid and real just came apart. And then, then the past and the future came apart. So it's everything all at once. So there was some kind of a just seeing whatever this was. Yes. So Karimbani, is he pointing to something that is dissolving or uh, particles that are separating? Is yeah, it looks like different. It than... looks like that. But I, I think it's. Uh, uh, I think that's the the starting point. That's seeing it come apart. But once that is is complete, then nothing has happened. You could say it. It's a ground path in fruition. The ground is suffering and being unhappy and being afraid, or all, all the different thing, ways we could describe uh, some aspect of our life that is so difficult. And then the path is, as far as I'm concerned, the path is to look at your mind. Not believe in Buddhism. Don't do anything with it. Look at it. Have have a willingness to just be who you are. Be genuine. Be the confusion you're trying to get rid of. Rather than have, having some kind of a, you know, I've been meditating all these years and yet I still feel terrible or I still feel confused or I still, I still, I still. And what am I going to say? Keep sitting. Sir. Sure. Um, it seems like there can be a pain of alternation in negativity falling apart. Like, I don't want the negativity to fall apart. And I want to know, what is it about? How how, how does that negativity feed the self-centeredness? Um, it's just a negative reference point instead of a, a positive or a positive reference point simply put it's just negativity it's just like pride is a reference point some people their whole life is about they're not not the showy kind of pride like they're better than you or uh, you all know that um, what that looks like when, when it shows up but it's the kind of pride that somebody is just doesn't they just believe their thoughts and their opinions their ideas and they might, they might listen to you they might be very easy to talk to all, all kinds of things you could say about them but they're full of themselves, and they're sometimes characterized as the God realm. This doesn't mean that they're not meditators. It doesn't mean that they're not working hard to 
see the truth or study the Dharma, and they might be able to run circles around you talking about um, whatever, teaching Vasubandhu or other teachers or Dogen Zenji in so many different ways. And then there's the other pol polarity of just that same that same area of pride is shame. And some people are, spend their whole life just feeling like they never have got things. They've never, they're just not not good at things. They just keep failing. They can't seem to get things together. They, they actually blame themselves for everything. They, even though somebody else might have raised them. And if you were looking for causation, you might find that they were not treated so well. So their self-esteem, you could say in the conventional psychological sense, is uh, pretty damaged. So they need some identity. So where do they get, the, get it from? The negativity. The negativity is somewhat comforting. Well, at least I know that I'm to blame for this, or at least I know that I was made to feel uh, unimportant or not worth anything or valueless, or I, I could not live up to uh, my situation. I could not live up to my stepfather's demands of me. It's very painful to be a, a very young person and be abused in that way. But it, it's not as bad as being shot. It's not as bad, bad as being whipped, particularly, or tortured or abused in some other kinds of ways. So it was, it was hard, but it was, um, I had food and clothing, let's put it that way. I don't often talk about my own situation, but there, there's a lot of just feeling that you're worthless. That's that's uh, how what got me on the path. And what would happen, and when I would look at that, I would get very angry. And then the, angry, the anger scared me. So I needed to talk to somebody that could help me. And that's when I when I met uh, the Vidyadar. I'd been studying Buddhism off and on for a dozen years, and then I met this Tibetan master, Chogyam Trungpa Rinpoche. And all he would say is, you can do it. Uh, I didn't say, I can do what? You can do it. You can you can work with us. He already knew I'd read his his uh, books through several times and knew that I was meditating and so on. So that's, that's the encouragement I got from him. Not much. More? Anyone else before we close? Please don't hesitate. If you have something, I didn't come back in here because I, I, I need your questions. I came back here and in here because I want to answer your questions. But you have to ask them. Go ahead. You I'm not sure how to put this, but where do we get our identity when there is no ultimate identity? What's a it's, reference point for that? Well, we just invent it. If you go look in the mirror, you you know how you look. You're, it's, it's a mirror image, and you're looking at yourself, and you see your eye color, and you see your shape of your ears, your nose, your chin, and and your your skin color, and your your age, and be, all these relative things are very very convincing. Even looking in a mirror looks like it feels like you're looking at yourself. No, you're looking at a reflection. You cannot see yourself. Even you can't even see your body. You can only see a reflection. Uh, what was it? D.E. E. Harding wrote a book called On Having No Head. Because you, there's no way you can ever see your own head. So you really don't have a head. You can see your hands. 
but there's the only way you can see this is through a re reflection. So you really don't have a head. I mean, you've never seen it. A lot of metaphors with Ichabod Crane and that and his ilk. <laughs> Or was that in Black Spring? It was maybe it wasn't Ichabod. Thank you again for that book. Further a question about that? You know, Ryan, until we we can see that, is there a way to work with the various identities we attach to like our appearance, our name, or just look at them, just observe them, do nothing with them. Don't 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 and puff them up or enhance them. You notice how I'm always changing your name? I don't do that with everybody. That's because you're having so much difficulty. It takes a lot of special help for you. Does it? No. I can tell you I have no idea why I change your name. I don't, I don't, I don't need a reason for it. It just changes. It shows up. Change it. And that, it's actually just, well, I probably have to be honest. I'm trying to exercise my memory so I don't forget stuff. So I change your name, and then it's hard for me to remember it. And then I, I have to remember, what is it, Yunlong? You know, so I, I remember uh, the distant dragon's name. So I'm not doing too bad. But I can't always remember yours. Huh? Me neither. Me neither. Uh, Yes. Azuka Bowing, sometimes it looks like I know what I need to do, but I won't do it until I can explain it or justify it. Oh, yes. What's your question there? I'm getting excited now. <laughs> do you know that much about yourself? Does that suggest I don't really have to do it? Yes. Don't do anything unless you have to. Do you know, what is the talk title? Don't think about yeah. it. Yeah. Why did I say that? Because I knew you'd be here. <laughs> and of course, we what you if you listen to that teaching and then you look at it, you know you can't really stop it. But that, but by looking at it and and say, well, don't think about it. By by looking at that, something happens in consciousness where you're looking at a very simple dynamic in consciousness that is what thoughts. It's a way that the consciousness, which is just like a blue sky, turns into a cloud. And it's just using whatever's in the in the sky to do that. So it's 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 consciousness that shows up as a tightened fist, fear. So you don't want to be wrong. I don't want to be wrong either. That hasn't gone away. More. It's a good area if you have it. If magically. I were to not think about it. <laughs> Magic, yeah, that's that's a good. Or you could just use psilocybin. <laughs> <laughs> then you wouldn't know who was thinking for you know three hours or eight hours. I'm I'm kidding. You don't do that. Did you want to do psilocybin? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Go ahead, more please. That's a good question. Are there any questions on Zoom? There's several people smiling. And let's see, Michelle Reed is kind uh, can't. Are you smiling, Michelle? No, she's not smiling. Okay, let's see. 
a lot of people have left. There were more people on here for a while, but probably left when I went to the restroom. Huh? <laughs> I've been muted the whole time. That would be funny. Are there any questions out there in Zoom? Ray Bowing. Um, I'm wondering. Hello. Hello. I'm wondering. Um, in, in your in your uh, uh, untethered, you know, state of mind, does your mind stream still experience uh, um, disturbance as well as uh, be pacified and go through those like irritating cycles that that I'm experiencing at the moment, Bowing? Did you refer to my mind as being untethered? Uh, I may be wrong about that, but you know what I mean, like enlightened or Buddha mind or what, you know, no, whatever. I'm not going, no, I don't have conversations. I'm a Dharma teacher, and if you're here, you're a Dharma student. I'm not saying you can go out and gather 15,000 students yourself. Maybe you could. But, but you can ask questions, but we, if we get into, like, dialogue about it, it's just, it's just difficult for everybody to work with. So just give me a straight okay. question, Ray, and I'd be happy to respond. Does, does your enlightened mind, or in your enlightened state, does your um, does your mind stream still get disturbed and change and cycle, kind of like, you know, churning? Does it still churn and, and yes. irritate you? It's horrible. Thank you for asking me. I've been wanting to share that, but I have to have a question. My mind really is terrible. I hate it. Okay. So what's the difference between, between me and you? Because if I'm trying to get to where you are, right? So I'm sitting every day. I want to be in your state of mind. Uh, what? That's not a good idea. <laughs> you don't want to be in this state of mind. Okay. No, you need to be in your state of mind. Whatever your okay. yeah, make it very per personal, Ray. Go right into the go go right into the pig pen that is in not not just your mind but anybody's mind i'm just using that as a metaphor for that area of the mind we want to avoid just sit down hold still look at the wall and watch what continues to erupt and fall away and erupt and fall away and erupt and fall away and come back again and then fall away the impermanence of the mind stream okay cool thank you bowing yes sir thank you for for uh, uh that question go ahead no. Several questions on YouTube. Uh, All from the same person? No, three different people. I think. Sano, you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> He's answering. No separation. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. That only applies to socks. Uh, Ath asks how to differentiate between not thinking about it and between shutting down or ignoring it. Well, I think if you can if you can ask the question like that, then it, it tells me that you're already doing that. It's hard that you can't really ask that question unless you've run into that conundrum or that difficulty or that polarity. So I would say just continue. The railroad tracks, if you stand on the railroad tracks, do that when there's no train, of course, and look down there. It looks like they come together. So it looks very reasonable, but they never come together, except maybe in the shipyard or something. But they, it's an illusion that something is going to happen that something comes together. More? Next, um, Thomas in the UK says, sitting awareness because, question mark, how can I help an elderly father who has become 
frightening and aggressive towards me. He plays games I can't leave. Uh, he needs somebody to blame. Yeah, how can I help him? So I'd have to know a little bit more what, what your age is, what his age is, and if he's uh, has some dementia going on or if it's just a, just a cranky old guy. So I'd have to know a little bit more about that, but just a little bit of speculating there. I would say uh, limit, limit your time with, with him if you can. If you live there, it might be difficult. But when you do have time with him, just listen to him complain. Don't fight with him at all. Just receive. Just And train yourself to do that by listening to your own mind without complaining. Don't, don't add anything to it. So whatever shows up, just do that. But don't, don't torture yourself and get some kind of credential about what a great person you are by listening to this person uh, mistreat you. Give him, give him five or 10 minutes a day. And if his name was George, you say, okay, George, let me have it. What's going on? And then he can proceed to abuse you. You say, oh, got to get going and then get out of there. So this way you've, you've spent some time receiving what's happening with him. But you, you know, I don't know how you got involved with the karma of that kind of a person. But uh, if it's happening, it's supposed to be there. And if you're asking me about it, I say, keep it to a minimum. But what time you do spend with him, for lack of a better word, make it make it some quality time on, on your behalf. Learn something about how to receive negativity. He's your teacher. If, you, if you're a student, he's a teacher. He, he doesn't know he's a teacher. Quite, a, quite often, teachers don't know they're teaching. Anything else? No, Kabali. A uh, question from Cascadian Connection. Sitting with worthlessness and shame now, how has it changed since you began your sitting practice? The the all of those uh, energies are still available. They come and they go, but they don't. Uh, they don't. To put it as bluntly as I can, uh, I'm not claiming some kind of special deal. But I'm saying that doesn't happen to a person. There's no there's no person. There's still a, a, a person in the sense there's still this guy who's talking. It's my voice. It's not yours. I'm pulling on my ear, not your ear. But when I say my, it's not it's it's not an individual separate from everyone else. That's and even that's not an occurrence because it just just something that stopped being covered, being covered up by fear, being covered up by shame. There's no position. There's no, there's no position to attain. Nothing is, nothing is to blame. All dharmas are, are without, without blame, without direct cause. And if you realize it, that's just a teaching that was around way before we all got here. It's just that it's possible you can realize that. That the last one. Okay, we close then. Thank you so much. Hi, my name is Shoto, and I am a monk at Sokukoji, where I am committed to training my mind under the guidance of my teacher, Sokazan. We rely on your support for much of what we offer here. This includes building projects to create space for full-time and part-time practice residents. Thank you for your help.